Hello and welcome to the May edition of eConversations, our new NABE podcast, where we uh, are starting by just talking about the employment report every month. This is our inaugural version of the podcast. We'll expand it over time as uh, demand as demanded, but um, what we're doing now, I'm uh, NABE, current NABE president, Julia Coronado. Uh, I am joined by NABE Vice President Ellen Zentner. Hi, and, everyone. And also Guy Berger. Guy, you want to give us your affiliation and title? Yeah, sure. Um, thank you for having me. I'm Guy Berger, Principal Economist and Head of Macroeconomics at LinkedIn. A very long time ago, I was the economist. I was the first one at LinkedIn. Now there's a bunch of us. My, my amazing boss, Chief Economist, Karen Kimber, was on the show with yes, you guys she was. earlier so i'm very you know she set a very high bar um but i'm glad to hammer the, the message home excellent excellent yes she did bring some wonderful data and perspectives from you know you uh, you guys are lucky to be in one of those situations where you're one of the sources of this new exciting big data that um couldn't come at a better time when Official data has been challenged both by ongoing deterioration in survey response rates, but also just the pandemic itself and all the disruption that came with that. Um, obviously, still the national data is the benchmark and something we're going to talk about today. But gosh, these perspectives from from LinkedIn and from ADP and from Indeed have just been invaluable on the labor market. So thank you for taking the time to join us. Um, so let's break it down. Let's talk about that, uh, the April jobs report. So it's a bit of a, uh, you know, is it better than expected or not? So the headline payrolls number once again for the 13th month in a row came in above consensus forecasts uh, and have just been on a really strong tear, slowing down, but on a really, you know, by any prior metric, super strong. Uh, but we did get some pretty chunky downward revisions. That's the first time in a long time that's happened, 149,000 in downward revisions to the prior two months. Um, we got some other sort of compositional things that I think, you know, I'm going to throw to you guys to maybe talk through where the reports were, report was strong and weak. We also got the unemployment rate back at the cycle low, 3.4%. So you know, it is the desert island indicator. You know, if you if you have one measure of the labor market, it's going to be the unemployment rate, and it's still near the cycle low. It's it's basically though been kind of flatlining for about a year. It's been between three four and three six since last spring. So uh, we haven't been going down, but nor have we been going up, and we've been having this gosh darn recession narrative for so long. Uh, and I still am a believer in, you know, the SOM rule is a good concurrent metric of are we in a recession or not. We haven't even begun to rise, let alone rise half a percentage point from the low of the cycle. So um, I can say, think we can safely say we're not in a recession. Uh, Ellen, what did you find interesting in the report? Uh, you know, I think that... Um... You know, one reason why why people might dislike economists is because we always spin a narrative, or we tend to spin a narrative, spin a narrative of the oh well, it's little known fact or little known <laughs> area of the report to look into. 
but you talked about the big chunky backward revisions that were downward, sizable downward. And so even though the report came in stronger on the headline than we had expected, the level of payrolls through April was 79,000 jobs lower than where we thought we would be because of those downward back revisions. And because of those downward back revisions, you know, you look at the, the three month uh, moving average, six month, 12 month, the downward trend is all still in place. So the narrative that the labor market has been slowing, going through this gradual slowdown remains. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the other thing that um, uh, I've really been noting is that if you, um, you know, we're so focused on uh, uh, job openings, um, and um, and hiring rates. And if you look at a beverage curve uh, and you think about the unemployment rate being so low still, um, it, it suggests that we are going to continue to get slowing in the labor market with a very low unemployment rate. Yeah. And that goes completely the opposite of what some economists have been arguing, that in order to get a slowdown in the labor market, you've got to absolutely kill it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I liked those those things that we were seeing from the report. There's just nothing that tells me that we're headed toward a cliff in in jobs. Right. Uh, oh, that's yet. Right. right. Big unknowns with credit, um, with the bank funding yeah. pressures and yeah. loan growth and such. But um, it's hard for me to see that. Right. 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 Guy, what, what were you focused on with the uh, with the report? Yeah, that's a great question. I could get my entire forecast and then just monologuing, but let me say a few things. The first one is like so many of the reactions and disagreements, I think people kind of agree on the data and are kind of comparing to different benchmarks. So there's a whole glass, half full glass of empty thing going on. Mm -hmm. I think from the perspective of, you know, people are like, well, imagine there was, you know, all the fiscal stimulus or much of the fiscal stimulus from the, from, you know, from the post COVID, from the COVID era had, has been withdrawn. We're in an era of fiscal drag. The Fed's going to raise rates by a lot. Like, do, what do you think are the odds we'd be in recession? I think people kind of have that frame and it just mm -hmm. hasn't happened to that degree. Non-farm payroll growth on a monthly basis is still done by 300,000 a month, which is normally what puts us in that kind of magnitude, which is not rare. But it, you typically associate with falling into recessions. This time we were coming from payroll growth was at 525,000 or thereabouts about right. a year ago on average. Right. And so to me, like things have slowed substantially. They are still far from what we consider to be any something that looks like a recession. And barring some sort of sudden break, which I think is sort of that cliff that Ellen was talking about. Yes, if this trend continues, and it very well might, we could eventually hit negative payroll growth in a recession. But like, there's a long ways to go on that. Mm -hmm. Like that, you know, just thinking in a very trivial way and projecting out what we've seen over the past year. Sure, a year from now, we could be in recession. But like a lot of the forecasts are still, we're thinking we're going to be in recession like late last year and now have the second half of 2023. And that seems to me like that's, I just think about it, like, yes, officially you can say that, but like, it seems to me soon barring some sort of sudden stop in the economy. Right, that right. Seem to be yeah, some, some big shock. If we're just sort of yeah. gradually continuing to slow, it's, it's still a ways away. It's so gradual, like. it just, that's sort of it. It just, it's almost like the economies, you know, we always talk about the recessions being non-linear and like, it mm -hmm. just seems like, I mean, I'm misusing the term linear here, but it just seems like very linear incremental, like what's happening mm -hmm. in the economy the economy has room is, is slowing but it's like absorbing it's sort of like it's offering this huge shock absorber that mm -hmm. is showing it's showing the impacts of those shocks but not in a sudden way it's still plowing ahead at right forward the high, the high pressure labor market it seems to have given us more resilience guy yeah. i'd love to 
bounds. One of the things that I was looking at in the report was the hours worked. And one yeah. thing that we've seen is that the margin of slowing has been more in the work week coming down from like all time highs, you know, in the, the heat of the pandemic reopening when supply was constrained and demand was so strong, we saw the work week go to a record high. And then that's been normalizing very steadily and pretty significantly over the last two years, such that we've seen hours work, total hours work in the economy slow a lot more than jobs per se. And what has come with that is a rise in voluntary part-time work. So it seems like there's a story I can put together of people who are on the sidelines who prefer part-time work, maybe they're the secondary earner, uh, you know, they, they're coming back in because their kids are finally in school or they're finally comfortable with social contact. Uh, and, you know, we do see a lot of rise in voluntary part-time work over the last couple of years, a rise in labor force participation, a drop in a slower decline in, in hours worked or a faster decline in hours worked than jobs. Does that make sense with what you're seeing in the job search and job postings activity at LinkedIn? Do you get sort of detail that can help you disentangle demand and supply? Yeah, it's a great question. Like, so let me start with this. My, like looking at the data, our data, like demand seems to be like the, the, the moderation in demand mm -hmm. is still seems like a very dominant story. And I'll say several dimensions, but we've seen hiring come down, I think like pretty sharply and hard the most in the sectors that we know are doing the most poorly. Okay. Like, I mean, tech information yeah. media and, le and less, and it's come down less in sectors like, you know, for example, education and health, where mm -hmm. like we know that there isn't that the, the, the key demand headwinds. I think when you look at job postings, they've come down. You've seen um, like, when I think about that decline, one dimension we've looked at a lot is, is flexibility and availability of remote work. Workers are telling us in terms of the amount of applications for people to, to for people to for remote jobs. They're like, workers still really want this. Employers are becoming more reluctant. So to me, like, so much of this really so far that we're seeing really is like the demand side cooling. It started from such a high level that I think there's some credence and this ties to what Ellen said that like demand was unfulfilled demand was so high that mm -hmm. we can generate a fair amount of cooling without in negatively impacting, you know, let's call it the quantity of labor that's being transacted. Right. In fact, right. supply is still able to, is still catching up with that latent demand, even as latent demand has come down. And we're not yet at the point where those two lines cross, but you do right. see it everywhere. The fact that so many workers want remote work, we've seen more cooling with our labor market tightness metric in that part of the market than the non-remote part to me suggests that like, it's pretty clear that that bargaining power is shifting back to employers. And, you know, I think even if more people find jobs, which is amazing, by the way, like yes. I think in so many ways that like, even the, the increase in non-voluntary in voluntary part-time work, like mm -hmm. we're so used to thinking of being in, in bad labor markets. Yes. People's yes. single biggest problem, or even okay labor markets, people's single yeah. biggest problem is, can I find a job? And right. like that, that is that we sort of think about labor, the amount of employment is just like one, an hour's work as like just one thing that moves the meter. And I think the whole point of a strong labor market is that people do have more optionality. Yes. They can work voluntarily. They can work remotely. If they want to work more and they can't get it from their job, they can work two or more full-time jobs, which is actually yeah. facilitated by more work itself. So to me, 
that's sort of a lot of the story that's still happening is like a landmark where people have, even if it's cooled, it is still strong enough that people have options and are taking advantage of it in ways that are not necessarily the predictable, you know, one dimensional labor market counting that we're used to. Well, and I love that you make that point. I was having a conversation with a European labor economist who suggested that that we're used to in our US labor markets of thinking about part-time as low quality, because in general it has been. Um, but, uh, you know, this labor economist was pointing out that in Europe, maybe one of the reasons they have higher participation rates uh, amongst women, for example, uh, is that you can have uh, professional part-time jobs. Like that's much more common an arrangement than it is here. And maybe maybe work from home facilitates some of that. I mean, I don't think we see enough in the aggregate data to really tell that story yet, but it's something to watch. Maybe some of this flexibility. Um, but but Ellen, you had made the point that Guy just touched on, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen. That was kind of the big debate. The Chris Waller and Andrew Figura at the Federal Reserve Board saying you could, this could be possible that you could bring job openings down mm-hmm. without a rise in unemployment versus the Larry Summers of the world. Can't believe I brought that name up myself, but uh, so where do you well, think it's a clear pushback, right? I mean, yeah, it's a pushback, so that's fair, right? Uh, we are we are seeing a, a, a labor market labor demand cool without a rise in unemployment. Where do you think this leaves the Fed? What do you think? How do you think they read these tea leaves? I mean, my impression is that I mean, there's so much of that narrative of inflation's too high, but it's coming down. Wages are still high, but they're slowing, and you've got. Uh, jobs that are still robust, but there's a slowing trend. Unemployment rate's still very low, but it's expected to rise. And so it's just everything is moving in the right direction. It's a question of how quickly does it move in the right direction? Does it continue to move slowly in the right direction? I think that's fine for the Fed. I think the backdrop of really uncertain bank funding pressures and how tighter credit conditions will flow through to the economy means that you, you can be prudent here and sit on rates from here on and see if things continue to slow modestly or do they start to slow more rapidly um you know i i think that uh i think that that uh you know even coming after we just delivered a rate hike i think uh the report both uh validates the move that they made but at the same mm. time helps them see enough that we may be done here so um, you, that's my you, view. Maybe I'm cherry picking because that's my own view. Is yeah, that yeah. Done here. That's what they should do and there's what they will do. Yeah, right? and will remain on hold for a time. And I yeah. think, um, you know, and I think for, for them, I know Chair Powell uh, oftentimes has said, you know, we want to wait for things to show up in the official data. But we do know that they watch sources like LinkedIn for what you guys are seeing, Guy. And so I'm just wondering, you know, when you see the employment report and you pick it apart, you must be comparing it to what you guys are are seeing in your own data, which is millions larger sample size than what the than what the 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 government has. But um, are there are there any areas in your data that are so far off from what we're getting from the the government that you're wondering, you know, how is it that we see this, but they keep reporting that? Well, let me say it this way, because I think that's like really your question. Like the, the, the narrative from, from our, or not narrative, the collective view I get from our data, particularly from the US, and it's true across like things like measuring our higher, you know, our LinkedIn hiring rate, our LinkedIn labor market tightness metric that I mentioned, which compares active job openings to active applicants. 
when we look at um, the workforce, we are um, workforce confidence survey that we conduct with our members, ask them, how do you feel about your probability of finding or holding a job? And I think all these things are showing gradual cooling. So to me, the main thing that I sort of stick to is this is happening. It is apparent in parts. It's apparent in the jolt data to some extent, but sometimes like things like job posts, job openings and the jolt data like move in a different direction. And it, it makes me more intensely like believe the data that's showing very gradual cooling. Again, nothing's like breaking, but it's very right. gradually bending. And so right. I'm more inclined to believe that. And I'm more skeptical of stories that talk about the labor market reaccelerating, which occasionally right. every report, right. like, I mean, if you take yeah. it very literally, well, this was a the mo monthly job gain was strong, is higher than the three monthly average we were picking up or like GDP growth is ebbing and going. People are like, well, maybe the economy is reaccelerating. And like, to me, what I look at when I look at our data and then the data outside is if I'm like, again, there's this sort of gradual bit by bit ratcheting back. Um, and within that, I'll, I'll bring up our workforce confidence story because I think it's interesting. Like we ask our U.S. members, are you, you know, how do you feel? What's your confidence about finding and holding a job? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, it just very over the past year, it's just gradually creeping down. Um, every few months, it goes another notch. And I'm like, yeah, this is, a, I think we're now at the point that's lowest since like 2021, about wow. two, oh, two years ago. But again, I don't want to like 2021. I think at the Good time, labor we're, we're like talking about a yeah. hot job market. So let's not, but it is, yeah. it, it's gradually ratcheting down. And beyond that, if I look at people that identify as, as active job seekers, these people are always more pessimistic than our usual membership. Because if you're looking for a mm -hmm. job, your confidence of finding a whole job is always worse than if you are not. Um, but the gap between those and the rest of the US population is getting worse. So you have additionally, like within all the data, like there's like the share of unemployed that are permanently laid off. There's the claims data. There's the right. rise of jolts layoffs from like historically abnormally freakishly low to just merely very low by historical standards. You have right. a small pocket of people that are experiencing this distress. And to me, like collecting this data is like gradual cooling. And then there's a small, very, maybe a very small growing pocket that might eventually be absorbed because the labor market's strong enough to absorb it and doesn't have any ripple effects. But like is six months ago, we didn't really see it. And now we're suddenly seeing it, which again is one of those things that if you're putting a lot of pressure on the job market, it'll start bubbling up in these directions. And so to me, if you ask me, how guy, how does the labor market value you look at influence you? This is it. And the main counter influence I always try to think about is like, you know what, like, you know, tech is such a huge, in all these things, our data elsewhere, but like the sectors that are hurting and that sort of drive the headlines, they're starting to matter enough that they're moving the aggregate statistics a little bit. Essentially, like how much do we have to like pull that out of the, like mm. out of the consideration and just look at everything else. Right. And I think that's sort of both BLS data with our data, like, you know, how much is this a sectoral thing that will eventually just get wash into other sectors and kind of disappear right, right. Much so much so like, much sectoral disruption this time yeah around. exactly exactly yeah yeah absolutely all right guys well i mean i think we've covered a lot of bases any last parting thoughts before we uh send our listeners on their merry way i think you covered a lot of it well julia any yeah. you know, if you wanted to give a few words on whether you saw the Fed the same way or not, I know that's usually yeah, the no, way. Yeah, no, I do. It's hard to. It's been hard to read. You know, a lot of the the banking situation is a big kind of un unanticipated development and how they're gonna, 
you know, fold that into their framework and how they balance the risks. It doesn't feel from the May meeting that they're in a particular rush anymore. They got their rate up to above 5%. I know that was a key threshold for a lot of people on the FOMC, so we're there. I think there's everything to what Guy was saying earlier and to what you were saying as well, Ellen, everything is pointing to going in the right direction. Everything is showing that, yes, policy is now restrictive. Uh, so I think that they can be a little bit more patient, but, uh, you know, I think also Powell pointed out in the press conference, they sure have been burned a few times from getting too optimistic too early on inflation and they still feel like they don't want to, you know, uh, give up that tightening bias quite yet or hard signal a pause that they they need to kind of hold that threat over the market still to, until they see inflation really break to a lower uh, lower run rate. So lots and lots of uncertainty ahead for this year. I, I feel like one of the things going on is we're all, including the Fed, wanting to grab a narrative and it's just going to take some time to sort through all of this. There's there are lags in everything, and this is a, a a slow moving train. And there's a lot of good aspects of that. Like to to your point, guy, there's just a lot of slow moderation, and that gives should give Fortis a lot of time to not make mistakes uh, and and get things right. So we'll see. I'll I'll uh, I'll end on that optimistic note. Maybe maybe we can still pull this off. So uh, thank you, Guy, for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank and you. thank you as always, Ellen. I could just, I could do this every afternoon over, over a glass of champagne. Uh, that would be a nice way to live. But unfortunately, I don't get to see you that often. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it up soon. We'll do that. Yeah, we will do that soon. So uh, good to see you both. Thank it. Thanks, everybody, for, for listening. And we'll catch you on a month from now. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of eConversations with Name. Julia and Ellen's coverage of the Employment Report is available every Monday following the release. Be sure to follow us and turn on notifications so you can stay up to date with our latest releases.